I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Millennial Divide, a podcast about navigating the millennial generation. We are three sisters, but today an extra friend. Hello. Producer Claire is joining us and we bookend the millennial generation. On this podcast, we go high, we go low, we go deep and very, very, very superficial, which we will do today. Don't you worry. But always a focus on issues impacting millennials. I'm Amy. I'm 37. And my week this week has been really long and really short. Oh. Yeah. Really long between about midnight and 6am where I just count down the clock and go another hour and a half's gone. Therefore, yep, bingo, baby cries. I used to love hearing the first train in the morning with my first child because oh, I was like, oh, other people are up. <laughs> like that. When the night is over. It is true. It is true. When I started to see the little snatches of light, I'm like, oh, thank fuck for that. It's day. Jeez, the night's long, but the, but the days are short. Mm, so that's it. why my, my week has been long and short. Mm. The days are long, but the years are short. Ah, is oh, that no. right? Yeah, yeah I, that's a, I think that's the same. Is that yeah, the thing? that sounds right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I'm Ellen. I'm 33, and my week has been full of chocolate. I realised I don't have enough button. If it's in front of me, it's eaten pretty much. <laughs> so thank you to my mother-in-law for the amazing rocky road, and I'm sorry I didn't leave much for everyone else. <laughs> Oh, oh God, I am with you. I am 33. I'm Claire. And, yes, I've eaten my weight in Hawker's buns. I have been the Easter bunny over the Easter weekend and we currently have all this chocolate that I said I'd thrown out but I've hidden away and then I'm, like, in the downstairs cupboard <laughs> eating <laughs> foraging. foraging for chocolate that I'd hidden. Oh, that's, that's so good, though. you just got to remember that you've hidden it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know I'm going to find it in six months or something. Oh, oh God. I, I did throw out half an Easter bunny because I was so sick of myself. Oh, wow. I felt control. I felt like Miranda in Sex and City. There's an episode where she throws a cake in the yes, bin. And then she and eats then it eats out of it. the bin. And she has to put detergent on it to stop. I felt like that. <laughs> I nearly put detergent on the rocky road. <laughs> Okay, so today we've got heaps to cover. We're going into the deep dive, which Dim will be very... Dim's um, currently MIA in Germany. We don't quite know where. Camping in the somewhere. forest somewhere. In the forest. She did say she might dial in and now, she, we, yeah, we don't know. <laughs> so you might hear from Dim at some point during this podcast session because she may just emerge from the forest, from the black forest probably. But we are so thrilled that Claire's here today. And um, we did do a bit of a deep dive last week. We're going to go back to a bit of our roots this week because Dim's not here to yell at us. So um, what we will cover today is, are we the first generation that is going to be worse off than our parents, the bloody baby boomers. We're going to talk about them again. 
We're going to talk about parents as the new schoolyard bullies. And also, just because we can't help ourselves, Kardashians. Again. Again. I know Tonts is going to be upset about this, but I love, (laughs) I particularly love this segment. So stay tuned because we've got a new angle to cover. We've got recommendations, but this week by popular demand, because we've had uh, feedback from quite a few of you that you like the recommendations. So we're each bringing one. So we're going to keep it really short and snappy, but we each have a recommendation this week. And Tonts is going to finish us off with a rant. I'm going to get fired up. I'm not even just cross. I'm fired up Wowzers. this week. Yeah. And I promise we actually will remember to do it. So <laughs> let's jump right on in. Okay, so while not overt, most people imagine they will have at least what their parents have and probably more. But for the first time ever in Australia, it is likely that we will be the first generation that's worse off than our parents. From cost of living, housing, education, and even some aspects of health, we are falling behind our parents. And today we want to talk about why. So in a recent uh, election survey by the age, 31% of voters are concerned about the cost of living. And this also relates to a number of articles that have come out most recently in the conversation about how millennials really will be the first generation that will be worse off than their parents. So this is a global phenomenon. It's not really happening just in Australia. But a couple of stats that the UK conversation cited was they really cited six reasons for this um, worse off situation. One is that the Great Recession happened of 2008. So a lot of millennials were hit hard there, couldn't get a job. Housing, no-brainer there. It's expensive everywhere. The mechanisms of jobs. So it's now going to be an automation of jobs. So you have to be more highly skilled, which then feeds into you have to go to uni, get more degrees and pay more for education. In the UK, they also cited pensions, not so relevant in Australia, but I guess the super debate and also the negative gearing of housing and and the tax system that's been set up for baby boomers really does benefit them. And finally, the cost of raising a family. So there's an estimation that the cost of raising a child has gone up around 65% from costs of 2003. So huge increases in cost of living and and, um, depreciation of wealth and also then um, income growth stagnating and huge education. So Elle, tell us what you think because you have chosen a career that prioritises helping people, which I love. I think it's great. And I can really (laughs) say hand on heart, my sister does good things. Whereas I have chosen a more corporate career, partly because I have looked at the realities of of income and gone, well, I'll, you know, I, the career I probably would have chosen didn't pay anything. So I thought, right, I'll go and be pragmatic and go and, and you know, work for the for mm. demand. What would you have chosen? I would have been a journalist. Really? Yeah. 100% I would have been a journalist. Wow. Yeah. And, but I did um, work experience in year 10 and half the floor of the newsroom that I was working in got the sack. Wow. And, and, and be worse now. Oh. Oh, that was worse. even before the internet. That was, was before taken the internet. That was before the internet. Yeah, that was ninety six, and the one of the old stalwarts of the um, newsroom said to me, "Don't go into journalism. There's oh. no future in journalism." And it ended my career. Uh. Journal. Anyway, oh, you no. would have been a brilliant journal. I mean, you're there's you're no brilliant jobs. in PR. There are no but... jobs. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You have to make your own jobs yeah. right, in journalism yeah. now. Yeah. It's a totally different ballgame. Yeah, but what do you think, Elle? Are you Oh, I agree completely and I think I got into teaching because I love working with kids and I wasn't thinking at that stage, you know, I was 19 and Tonch, you're 
probably the same that I wasn't thinking at that stage really about the money because everyone kind of earned the same and I didn't really think about it. But what my husband and I have noticed recently is as we've gotten older and, um, you know, a different set of friends and um, moved away from the uni crowd who are all teachers, so you're all on the same salary, and we've actually realised what other people are getting, Mm -hmm. you do start to question, uh, uh, why am I putting in all this time? Because teaching is relentless. It is such a difficult job. I know some people who aren't teachers might keep hearing that and be like, oh, teachers are such whingers. It, having not taught for two and a half years and been in education but other areas, my God, my hat is even more off to teachers because it is a slog. And for yes, we get paid well and that's another thing that keep, people keep bringing up. Oh, you get paid. It's about, you know, the median of what people get paid. But for the number of hours you do and the heart and the soul that you put into it and the weekends and, yes, you get holidays. I know that's the mm-hmm. other the, argument. The emotional labour that you yeah. do, like the emotional investment, I think. Yeah, you know, but you you do work above and beyond. Um, and I, does that impact your, your quality of life and your Yeah, I think it would now if I went back to teaching full-time um, on the wage that I would be on, um, you know, I and how it would impact on my family, I think it really would, which mm. is probably why I've held off. Now mm. I've got another job still in education, but it's much more flexible, it's paid a little bit better, um, and it just allows me to spend more time with my family and not just give my heart and soul over to my job. Yeah. So, yeah, I absolutely think that it's going to be harder and I can imagine yeah. for nurses it's the same and all of those jobs where it just hasn't been prioritised by pay. I think what's difficult too about teaching is that you start off on a very good wage comparatively mm. to yeah, other graduates, do. but the amount of effort that you put mm. in in other fields, and I work for myself now, I was a teacher too, if you put in a certain amount of effort, often you then get rewarded with a pay scale and, up. you know, you, you become more senior in your role, you then get a different title, you've got so many different avenues and education does have those, you know, pathways like mm. you've gone down, however... It's not often in the classroom in that mm. role. So if you get taken passion, out, yeah, if your passion is in the classroom, mm. you kind of stagnate at a wage. That's quite early on in your career. Like yeah. it's, it's quite, it mm. doesn't take long for you to reach the top and then you go, okay, so I've got to take on leadership positions and which you want to do, but maybe not all the best teachers want to be leaders or want to go down that road. Do you think that's, did you have an expectation that you would have at least the same lifestyle and disposable income and opportunities available to you as your respective parents? I I think I never actually thought about it Mm. because I was such a bright-eyed, change-the-world, idealist, sort of material things don't matter kind of 19-year-old. And so I really genuinely got into teaching because I wanted to make a difference and which sounds a bit twee now. And, I mean, I still believe that. I still believe that, you know, we should be trying to make a difference in the world in the way that we can, the sphere that we have. But I I kind of at that time didn't really think about it. But I think if I had a little bit, I just assumed I would. Mm. Like I hadn't really understood the value of a wage. Mm. I, I just – because I came from quite a sort of pri- – well, not super privileged, but, you know, middle-income family that was quite comfortable. I didn't really understand the mm. pressures of a family and a mortgage and – all that stuff, I just, I guess I just assumed I would. Mm. Did you? Yeah, I absolutely. And I think when I was going through uni and doing teaching and had friends doing commerce, you know, you were all like, oh, we're all the same. 
And now, 15 years later, the friends that are doing commerce are not the same. They are on a much, much higher wage and living a, a quite a different life to the one that, you know, we're able to do. So, um, and I'm the same. I didn't think about it in regards to what my parents, because our parents were the same, you know, they're a teacher and in healthcare. So I just kind of assume that, oh, we'll just kind of toddle along. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's only now, I think, to not underestimate how big a hit the GFC had in the research I was doing, that was the thing that came up a lot as to why the millennials are affected so much because it had an impact on um, not only the economy but it also impacted whether the baby boomers could leave their positions and allow millennials to come up into leadership, getting those higher paid positions, and then also the pensions. So millennials are having to foot the bill for a lot of baby boomers um, and for them to retire. So it's this kind of flow-on effect that I think nobody really foresaw coming and now we're going, oh, my gosh, this is you know, real real damage mm. to the millennial generation. And this is interesting because I, I too saw that when I was doing some research and this is where actually the millennial generation is quite divided. Mm. So if you were born in the first half of the millennial generation from 81 to 85, so woohoo, that's me, I'm finally <laughs> an older millennial with some benefits. <laughs> that's all of us actually. Well, yeah, we all fit. So poor Dimmer <laughs> somewhere in Germany. <laughs> yeah. For you, Dimmer. <laughs> You've really suffered with this one. So early millennials born between 81 and 85 experienced a household income growth of about 27% higher than the average Australian in 2010. Um, but younger millennials did not experience that. So they had around about a 2%. So huge difference. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting because the older millennials, and I know from, from my experience, I was already into my career by the time mm. the GFC hit. It did not impact me. In It impacted me in the way that I lived in the sense that I was really keen to go overseas and work and I couldn't because there just were no jobs in, in 08 and 09 when I wanted to go. But in terms of Australia, we were less impacted and if you were already in a job and a few years under your belt, you're kind of established. Mm. And I think that's now um, come through with these stats on top of that, a lot of the older millennials have, ones who've gone into corporate, have gone into the likes of mining, energy, mm. all these sectors, health, that have had real growth mm. and they've basically benefited from wage increases. So it's interesting because there is this phenomenon of other baby boomers just sucking the life out of millennials' future <laughs> that they definitely are to a point. But interestingly, they did not experience the same type of wage growth mm. that the um, millennials have experienced. And I think also a positive from it is that it has made millennials have to be flexible in their thinking about work. And I know that's done it for me that I, you know, our previous generations probably stayed in one job for a long time because they got given such good benefits and (laughs) such good pays. Whereas now I think millennials are much more flexible in saying, well, I'm interested in this and I think I can use social media or I could use this to make that a bigger bit of an side hustle and Mm. a bit of a um, income. So I think in that way it can be maybe seen as a positive. Yeah. I would be, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I I would be interested to see kind of the approach that the baby boomers took to lifestyle, say, Mm. and the way that they chose to live, the way they had work-life balance or lack thereof and compared to millennials and their sort of the values that they seem to hold, I, I'm just speaking from my own experience, but with my parents, 
I didn't want to work in the way that they did because managing a family with four kids, mm. my mum's a doctor, my dad was a, was self-employed, they just worked around the clock. We had a lot of frozen, and they did an amazing job raising us, but we had a lot of frozen dinners, we had a lot of like long hours, they seemed super stressed all the time, even though we ha- we were very comfortable, mm. they worked to the bone for us, to provide for us, and I remember thinking that I didn't when I came to raise a family of my own, I wanted to think about a life that was more balanced. Mm. And I think that was another reason why I went into teaching. And I think a lot of millennials think about their lives more holistically. Like mm. what is what is a life that I will also be able to enjoy and spend time with my family and my mm. kids? And I think flexible work is a part of that. Mm. So, yeah, in some ways, even though maybe we don't have the wage growth, the baby boomers do. I do also think that there's some wonderful things that come with maybe not pushing for that career that gives you like the highest pay packet, but maybe has more flexibility with yeah. work. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So we'll be, um, we won't have any roof over our head, but we'll have a great <laughs> lifestyle. That's what you're saying. It'll look awesome yeah. on Insta. Yeah. We'll live in one of those tiny <laughs> houses in the life. forest yeah, that's and right. Instagram that's at all. probably where Dim is right yeah. now. And actually, yeah, actually I think it is. <laughs> Okay, so new segment this week, Social Soup. What we're going to talk about with Social Soup is the latest in what's happening in psych, psychology, sorry, not <laughs> psychics, but psychology. It could be psychics. It could be yeah. psychics, yeah. A topic for another day. <laughs> psychology, education, uh, child development, you name it, something about a social interest story that we'll cover. So today we've got parents as the new bullies. Really? Oh, Tell yeah. Us. <laughs> Tell oh, us, man. teachers. So on the weekend, the Sydney Morning Herald published an article in their Good Weekend magazine about the new schoolyard bullies, which they labelled as parents. And it outlined numerous cases that have occurred recently of principals suing parents for defamatory comments. And these were done either via email or school Facebook pages or text message. So a number of experts, such as school consultants and cyber safety experts, were saying that incidences of parents bullying teachers and school leaders online is on the rise. Um, But then they also interviewed parents and one mother said that for her it comes down to communication and that typically the disputes have been over a child has been disciplined or over marks or concerns over child safety. So some of the key stats though, I did a little bit of research into this and Jane Benefield from the New Zealand Post-Primary Teachers Association conducted research into whether teachers feel like they've been bullied and they interviewed teachers to identify if they had been bullied and who by and they found that first and foremost, aggression and violence against teachers comes primarily from students and that is where school environment differs markedly from the working environment of other employees. And in regards to bullying by parents, they found the overall incidences were small. Mm. And what was interesting was that they found that teachers were most vulnerable to bullying from parents who were in the, sorry, the teachers who were in the 40 to 49 age bracket. And Mm. they conclude this was because they were probably the ones that were in management at that age. Mm. So the ones that are in management are copying the bullying, Um, which I found interesting because when I first read this article, I... Being a teacher, I was thinking back to all my parents and I really couldn't think of a time, even ones that have been labelled as difficult, of having to have really horrible conversations with them. They were all great and I kind of, I'm, I try to be very preemptive in my 
teaching and my relationship with my parents and if I knew that there might be a problem, get in early because of that communication thing. I know the worst thing a parent can hear is that, you know, at the end of the year, oh, your child's been doing this all year because you kind of go, well, what have you been doing about it? So at first I kind of thought, oh, you know, is this just a bit of a beat up from teachers? But then I thought, well, I've never been in that top management. So maybe a lot of it was getting shielded from me by my principal or assistant principal or, um, you know, your top leaders in the school. So Mm. I was wondering, Tons, had you ever come across that? I had actually. Yeah, I I reckon... um, First year out teachers are, are quite vulnerable mm. to bullying. By That's parents. also what they found in the research. Yeah. The younger and then the older. Mm. So that middle bracket of 30, you, you're doing fine. Yeah. Well, because I think once you establish yourself in a career, when, particularly when you're in a classroom, you are preemptive. I remember in my very first year of teaching, I'd cut, just come back from volunteering for six months in Africa, going back to my altruistic save the world vibe. <laughs> so I'd just come back from there, fresh out um, from college and had a had a classroom of kind of an information night of parents and I hadn't realised this but there was an issue that the couple of those parents had with the principal, not mm. with me. It was around the overall running of the school but they certainly weren't happy that their kids had a, a first year out grad and yeah. I came in to a quite affluent area with my hippie kind of vibes going on. I think I still had my African scarves on <laughs> and I was all like showing them photos of the elephants and, you know, all those sorts of things. And by the end of the year, I won them over. But at that time, in that room, I got ganged up on by Mm. five parents or with their arms folded who asked me really tricky questions, who picked apart my slides, who like because some of the colour coding was a bit off Oh, my God. What grade were you teaching? Uh, Grade two. (laughs) I know, right? It was grade two. They're eight-year-olds, okay? I was in the portable as well out the back and it was a big grade. There was 30 kids in the grade. So that was one of the big contentions that their kids were going to be one of 30. And, I mean, that was not Did you say, mate, I've just come back from Africa. Yeah, correct. I know. I was telling them a story about how the kids in my classrooms would share a book with their siblings and had one pencil between five kids and they just didn't want a bar of it. They wanted, they just couldn't have the less. iPad. <laughs> yeah, seriously, they couldn't have cared less. They wanted the, that kind of private school experience in at what was essentially a Catholic mm. school. Anyway, and so, yeah, I did really feel under fire. Mm. For um, nothing that you had done. No, nothing I had done. Mm. And there were some, a couple of parents who really had their back up and I found that quite intimidating. Mm. Oh, by the end of the year, I, I was sort of charmed them <laughs> with my, my personality <laughs> and they saw that I really cared about their kids mm. and that was what was at the heart. But one of the parents left because she was so angry at the principal and took it out on me. Mm. Um, And I also had another, as a senior teacher, I had quite a difficult student in my grade and his mother was very, very aggressive towards me and very threatening. He was as well, but Mm. she particularly would send threatening emails and looked through my personal history and said things that made it clear that she understood a lot about me that Mm. I hadn't shared, which was nothing terrible. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. But just 
quite odd. Mm. So, um, yeah, I do think it happens. I, oh, yeah. I absolutely think it happens. I just... Yeah. I mean, the bulk of parents are brilliant, <laughs> Yeah, though. they really are. And I just... You know? I think we need to get better at giving teachers tools to have these conversations. I think you go mm. all the way through uni learning about kids and now you also have to learn about how to deal and interact with parents mm. and how to preempt things, how to have those difficult conversations, what to do if somebody's in the room and getting all up in your face and how can you say, look, I can see that you're really feeling a lot of feelings about this. Let's stop the meeting right now. Let's meet next week and we'll follow mm. this up. And, you know, all of those things which I think you don't get as a new grad, you get that through experience. But by then we might have lost all of the great teachers who have dropped out because yeah. they feel like they've been bullied. Yeah, I, yeah. I also think part of it is to do with the value that we place on, well, parents are seeing that their child is um, is always right, mm. really. It's what I'm trying to say within a classroom context. And so they go into bat for their child and believe whatever their child says above whether or not the teacher has something valid to say. Mm. Uh, and so often principals and leadership are on the defence. I, I just think that education needs to catch up to the world. I really mm. do. I feel like that education used to be about I am teacher, therefore I am right and this is a one-way communication and your kid's wrong and therefore that's the end of the story. Mm. And reading that article, I read it and thought, oh, well, yeah, this is clearly there is a disagreement here but the educators in this in these scenarios haven't caught up to the way the world is, which is it's egalitarian, it's two-way, it's got a forum that's um, through social media that you can mm. share your gripes. And now suddenly there's a power um, that's been restored in that. Now maybe it's shifted too far mm. and the parents are, are taking advantage of that. But I also think back not that long ago to when we were in school and very, it was very unequal. If mm. if there was a um, a bullying teacher, for example, in the classroom, there would be very little you could do about it, and it would be the teacher's word against the students, and the teacher would be believed, mm. not the students. So, I also thought reading the article in the Good Weekend, some of these principals just need to catch up. Like, if you're not happy with what's happening in your Facebook group, go and moderate it. Yeah, go and have a conversation. You 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 are an organisation like every other. I tell you what, most brands aren't happy with what's going on in their Facebook groups, but you have to take but, responsibility. But let me say that I think a way a brand might interact is emotionally different to the way a parent might interact about their child. Mm. There's this thing of this fight or flight, I think, mm. that parents sometimes get when they get home. And I, I feel it now, you know, if someone says something to my two-year-old, oh, my gosh, watch out. And, you know. Except you, if it's you. And then you're like, <laughs> yeah. then it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> then it's parenting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I can, you know, I can just imagine, I said to my husband a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, oh, imagine if something happens at school and, you know, her heart gets broken and she gets, you know, shamed or she gets this or that. And I can imagine how you can just rile up at the drop of a hat because it's your child. Yeah. So I think that's where the difference is with parents. But I think that's I think it's just communication. And Tons, I think you touched on it really well before when you said that they understood that you had the best interest at heart. Mm. And I think when teachers communicate that, that we're on the same page. I love your kids as much as you do. I want them to succeed as much as you do. Let's find a way together. Parents are immediately like, yep done on board. Exactly. But 
I think that that gets lost in the communication sometimes. I'm going to have to really rein it in when mm. my kid gets yeah. to school. Yeah. Oh, I'm a keyboard warrior. <laughs> Absolutely. Because <laughs> I, I do think that there isn't at the moment protections for staff in the mm. same way that I think they used to be. And you're right, Amy. We are now very suspicious of institutions, mm. rightly so, particularly with things that have come out with the Royal Commission and all of that stuff. We should be suspicious and we should be calling power to account and schools should be accountable. But I think in all of that what's happened is the pendulum has swung so far the other way and staff are often the bottom of the mm. rung when it comes to social-emotional well-being, um, being backed by their leadership and their principals and often then at the mercy of parents and I think overworked mm. for that very reason. Absolutely. I mean, I know in a lot of countries around the world, yes, schools need to catch up to the times, but also society needs to remember that teachers are qualified. They study for a long time. It's a really respected position in most other countries. And I think Australia has mm. a problem with not respecting educators in the Absolutely. same way and trusting them. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. We need to respect the teachers. I agree with that. Correct. We've got no dis- I've got two <laughs> teachers in the room and I'm like getting daggers. But- okay. For all the future teachers of my daughter, please ignore what I've just said and I promise I won't be a keyboard warrior. And just bring them Easter chocolate. All right. That's the <laughs> so key. That's your long right. road. Okay. My computer's just crashed, but that's okay. I've got it all in my head. So next up, Ellen has a confession. I love this. A confession with a K. I know. I like how you put that in the show notes. Kardashian confession with a K. So I did mention this to Amy the other day and she said, leave it for the podcast, (laughs) which I thought was quite funny. So on the weekend, thanks to a baby wake-up time of 5am and a continuous showing of Keeping Up With The Kardashians on Foxtel, I think they called it an Easter binge, (laughs) which I partook in, um, I watched more Kardashians than I have in about 10 years and I stopped watching initially because it felt really fake, which I know it is. What? I know. Can surprising. I just say I have zero interest in this topic, I know. but I'm going to sit I'm going to bring it around to you. It. Okay. I'm going to teach you some lessons that I learned from the Kardashians. Oh, yeah. Okay, so when did you tune out, just to give me context, because I'm pretty on, like, what year? How long oh, ago? I would say good. I probably watched for about two to three years, so a good 10 years because it's been around for 12. Okay, yeah, so they were still living the height, like they were still yeah, like, going yeah. to Miami and yeah, it was all yeah. of that. It was all of that. Okay, yeah. yeah, got it. So what I realised over the weekend, <laughs> Tonti, is that firstly there's a couple of things you can learn in the decade between when I stopped the Kardashians and I started. One, they really care for their kids. <laughs> <laughs> what the like the, the nanny kids? No, kids and they, I don't think they have. They're they're really hands on. Like you think they're there filming are a lot. Around. There are nannies. I'm sure there's na- I'm sure there's nannies yeah. around. But they pack their luggage. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, so you have watched? <laughs> <laughs> but they look quite hands on. The other thing is, I really feel for Kylie. <laughs> I, love I know she's a self made billionaire, but I think she needs a hug. I think she's. She just she's struggling a bit. Yeah, that was season fifteen, I think. Yeah, the, the last, last second season. Last Is that yeah. her, something about her boyfriend passed her friend or something? No, it wasn't even about that. Just when she was she talking, was she yeah. just seemed sad. Yeah, um, money doesn't buy you happiness. No, guys. it really nope. doesn't. Tons. Fake lips. <laughs> <laughs> they really have each other's back, which I was really impressed about. I was like, God, they, these sisters have really got it going on. But then, Tonti, I watched one last episode yesterday. And this later episode, they got a private jet to Bali, followed by a private helicopter to stay at a place where they were waited on hand and foot. 
and on the flight, Courtney was complaining because her assistant didn't pack her toothbrush in the plane you're bag. You're watching this season. No, you're Yeah, up yeah, this today. is this yeah. season. Oh, you've really caught up. Well, yeah, yeah it was the last episode <laughs> yesterday. And then Courtney and then Chloe had a freak out because she was told her daughter's bag were in one room and they were placed in another room and it was about her daughter and, you know, you would also freak out if it was about your children. So now I'm back to where I was, which is I probably won't watch anymore. <gasps> no, you definitely will. Yeah, I promise you now because you're hooked. Well, I was impressed because Scott, Courtney's husband, partner, has really changed in the decade that I haven't watched. And also they do co-parenting really well. And yeah, I've, but they would because they've got nannies no. and millions of dollars. Yeah. Of course you can co-parent I really found, well. I found Courtney said on a Today Show interview, um, I can show a message of parents can get along and work together and we travel together, she said. I think it's a good message to show other people. I'm not doing it for that reason, but I think the positive we are doing is nice to show. And I agree. I think they show co-parenting really well. I think you've been staying up really late all night alone and just watching the Kardashians and now you've got like Stockholm Syndrome. Just and there's like, no crying baby. It's just Ellen <laughs> yeah. trying to justify her Kardashian. I yeah, do Kardashian. feel though I have my spirit animal in Kendall because she seems the most real out of it all and she wanted a bit more privacy on social media and she said because she thinks it's powerful and I think people always want what they can't have. It's nice to have some mystery. So I'm with you, Kendall. A bit more privacy than your family and I can see that you're kind of going along. So this feels feel a bit dirty. So, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy too. with this. I'll lend you my Hey You subscription oh, so that you guys. can log in and join me. I just Dear think God. it is, do you know, I was watching it today because that's what I do when I pump now. For those not in the know, that's breastfeeding pump for you all. And it's so, it, I just sit there and I watch the Kardashians and I pump and it gives me a little joy. And my husband took a photo of me today, not pumping, but my fa- facial expression. And he's like, this is the Kardashian coma. And you should see my expression. It's like I'm dead behind the eyes. <laughs> which is how I feel every photo of them looks, which I shouldn't say that because I don't know them and I'm sure they're lovely people. It's a bit of mindfulness. It, yeah. And I that kind of was my question. It was... Oh, you had a question. I well, thought you I did. wanted to tell us. Well, I did. But also I feel there's this real thing that when you watch trashy shows, it has to be this guilty thing. And I was just wondering who's made the rules on whether you can be culturally superior with a sh- watching a show or not. And back in the day, I'm sure there was lots of things that we watch now like, I don't know, the Benny Hill show and that kind of stuff that would have been quite seen as lowbrow and now it's like, oh, I'm so aware of myself. Do you know what I'm going to tell you? It's the patriarchy. (laughs) I definitely think we can blame the patriarchy because... Yes, for the Kardashians (laughs) because they're benefiting from the patriarchy. Sorry. They probably are. I'm going to feminist. But... I only get grief from guys pretty much Mm. about... And Tonti. And And me. What are you talking about? But for me, I've said this a number of times to men in my life who have giving me crap about this, they sit there and watch a wooden bat hitting a ball. This is my wooden bat. I think both as dad, we, you know, I remember watching these kinds of shows at home and you actually had to hide in a separate room because dad would come in and just love to make little digs at all of them. And he likes watching 30 men in tight shorts run around trying to kick a ball. (laughs) Now, is that any culturally, is that more culturally superior? I would argue no. No, everything is dumb. (laughs) (laughs) That's what everything, everybody is a nerd about something and everything is dumb. All right. I just happen to think that both those things are extra dumb. (laughs) Football and the kind of We're going to give that to you, Tons. On that note, we're going to move on to recommendations. 
so the one that I was trying to get watched today through my daughter catnapping, so I was a bit emotional going, I just need to watch this for the podcast tonight, is my recommendation, which is Homecoming, <gasps> the new documentary by Beyonce. Queen, Queen Bee. Oh, it's the Queen It's now, it's not crazy. Oh my God. Coachella. I it. it is oh Beachella. <laughs> and let me tell you, if you have a spare two hours, sit yourself down. Make sure your child links their sleep cycles <laughs> so you can watch Homecoming. It is Beyonce's 2018 Coachella show and it opens with clips from her two weekends at Coachella and she was the first black woman ever to headline Coachella. So she has done an absolute ode to black culture and particularly to black college culture. She has marching bands. She has baton twirlers. She has the most amazing dance routines and I think to critique any of it, you just can't. It is an exceptional show and it just blows your mind. I'm getting tingles at the moment just picturing this amazing show that she put together. I saw little clips when it first came out. And I remember everyone talking about it and how amazing it was and I was like, yeah, that looks pretty good. But, my God, if you sit down and watch two hours of her slogging it out – you just have to bow down okay. and go mm. Queen Bee. And I never love to use that queen, but my God, she oh, is the queen. I know. It is exceptional. The amount of work. And you know what I loved as well? She talks in the in it about her journey from having her twins mm. <gasps> and how she came back from like she completely lost her body. Yeah. And that that feeling, I made me want to cry when I, I know. saw that. She says my body was ripped apart and I had to mend it all back together before this and it's just Amazing. So Homecoming, yeah. Netflix. Homecoming, Netflix. Do yourself Beyonce. a favour, Beyonce. Oh, okay. Do it. Cool. Right. Tons, over to you. Oh, God, if you have not watched Fleabag, what have you been doing with your life? I have not watched it, Tons. You're oh. the second person to recommend my that this week. My friend God. did too. Where it do you is, watch it? How do you watch it? Okay, so it is currently on Stan at the moment, the yeah. first season. The second season is going to drop on – oh, no, Amazon. Sorry, it's on Amazon. Uh. This I know. The second season is going to drop very, very soon. However, you can also get it on iTunes. You can buy it through Google Play. And the second season has dropped in America, but we can't get it yet, but we will in May. It was originally for the BBC, so it was on ABC iView as well. It is absolutely the most amazing TV I think I have watched ever. Really? And I don't say that lightly. Phoebe Mary Waller-Bridge was born in 1985, so she's a millennial. Oh. Um, she's our age. She is the writer. She's a comedian. And it's just I'll, – I'll, I'll read you a little synopsis. It's a six-part comedy series which tells the story of a dry-witted, confused, grief-ridden, sexually voracious 20-something navigating her way through modern life. It is angry and eloquent and crucially hilarious and is based on Waller Bridge's one women's stage show which premiered at the 2013 Edinburgh Festival. It's won awards. She was also the writer and creator of Killing Eve. Oh, that really, that, um, yeah. Yeah, Emmy Award, you know, mm-hmm. Golden Globe Award winning show star- starring Sandra Oh. So mm-hmm. she's the brains behind that. Mm-hmm. She's just very, very sharp and funny and it's so fresh. It's it's kind of like really sexually charged but interesting commentary about feminism and being a woman and and it she kind of has these like looks to camera in the same way that Carrie did in Sex mm. in the City in the first season, which you think would be annoying, but is just so funny and it's strange and odd and great. And All right. I'm gonna watch it tonight. Yep. 
I'll flea bag. Have a look. Flea and bag. it's really short episodes, 20 minute episodes. Even better. Ah, awesome. Amy. Okay. What was yours? So I was I did a podcast this week. Mm-hmm. And I was I can't go past Gwenny. Gwenny is Gwenny Paltrow. And what popped up was Brene, her interview with Brene Brown. <gasps> <gasps> Queen. Let's talk about queens. Oh my God. Couldn't dare go to past lead. that. I know. Exactly. Dare to lead. It is fabulous. It really synthesizes her book. It talks a lot about the roots of shame, courage, and vulnerability, which is very much the Brene Brown, you know, mm. zeitgeist. But she talked a lot about some of the things, some of the key things out of her book. One, a couple of takeaways that I took was she talked about the shitty first draft. Mm. So the story you tell yourself um, as an initial reaction to something bad happening and how it's a shitty first draft. Go and mm. fine tune it for a multiple ones. So that really stuck with me. Um, she talked about box breathing, which I've started to I do. I listened to this podcast today and I use box breathing breathing when I'm awake at 3am after yes. feeding and I can't go back to sleep. It's the best. It, it, I even tried it the other day when I was getting pretty frustrated with mm. not being able to get my newborn down to sleep and it helped soothe me and her. Mm. And then she talked about how she was getting really frustrated with hearing about the yogis talk about box breathing, which is in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four. So if you think about it for a box, well, that's how I do anyway. Um, and then she went and talked to the military and they said, oh, it's all about breathing. And it turned out it was the same breathing technique. So I loved that. Um, she also saw, talked about how calling out shame eradicates shame. And you have to actually be explicit that you're feeling shameful mm-hmm. and shame doesn't like being hidden. So it, it can help address it. And then the final thing she talked about, which is really what we were talking about with the kids and parents and having your kid do something that or have something happen to them that is just mortifying was sitting in the darkness with your kid. So she talked about how rather than diving in and trying to solve the problem, which is what a lot of these parent bullies are doing, it's sitting in the darkness with the kid and saying, that must feel horrible. I'm so sorry that that, that is awful that that happened and you know how does that make you feel rather than just trying to solve which for me I'm a problem solver I I don't like problems and I don't like hearing people upset so it really stuck with me so Mm -hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow Breno Brown podcast the Goop podcast listen to it it's fabulous it is it's great totally gonna do that all right so we have a rant I'm excited (laughs) Haven't forgotten it. Go forth, Tons. Oh, God. Okay. It's not really that exciting now that I think about it, but I am really fired up. I do not understand Easter chocolate for children and why that is our cultural heritage and why we do it. I mean, I came from a really Christian family, but I don't, and I understand the symbolism of eggs and new life, but we are in like autumn, it's going into winter. And why, why is it, like I love, like we did an Easter egg hunt at my family house and it was beautiful and the whole tradition of eating chocolate and, yeah, it's delicious and whatever else. But all that ends up happening is the kids get super excited <laughs> and then they, and then you like, are the Easter Bunny, spoiler for any parents out there, kids in the car, and and then it starts all lovely and it's so exciting and joyful and what a wonderful family moment. And it slowly snowballs into just like sugar-driven rage <laughs> and then you like passive aggressively hiding the chocolate and then like your grandparents feeding them more chocolate and then them finding it in different corners of the house and suddenly you are also eating chocolate and feeling terrible. Why is this the thing that we celebrate Easter with? It just drives me insane. I hear an Easter Grinch. (laughs) Yes, 
I know, and I am all for family celebrations and all this stuff, but I feel like this overload of chocolate is so bad for us. It I, is so bad. Do you, yeah. want, do you want carob? Is that what you're asking for? <laughs> do you know correct. what? It's Amy, correct. <laughs> My in-laws this year, we got um, a little egg cup for the girls and also like a little Easter bunny outfits rather than more <sighs> chocolate. There was a lot of chocolate, but it was good to have also a little bit of a balance. That is good. Mm. And that is, I mean, it's still consumerism, isn't it? But at least. (laughs) (laughs) At least it's something. We'll get your African scarves back. (laughs) Do they have Easter egg hunts in Africa? (laughs) Do some box breathing. (laughs) (laughs) No, I really. I think I've had too much chocolate, guys, and I've really <laughs> bottomed down in sugar and consumerism and overindulgence and obese children and, like, just, like, sugar I tell you what, we'll do it. We'll end it for you. Just go and have another baby because we completely forgot <laughs> Easter this year <laughs> to the point where we got to halfway through the day and we're like, shit, should we have bought chocolate <laughs> or even for each other <laughs> we had no easter eggs there was nothing we went to the supermarket at six o'clock that night and they were all half price and we bought one <laughs> so that'll okay, do it that's that'll be yeah. good have easy baby. yeah just have excellent. another baby correct done problem solved rant done <laughs> Okay, so that's been the Millennial Divide. Thanks for listening. If you've liked what you've heard, listen for free in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review us. Please do that because actually it really helps us and it helps promote uh, what we're trying to do. But also just it's great to hear feedback. So it's really important and we love hearing from you. So we also know that you love joining in the conversation and we love to hear from you. So jump onto our Insta page or Facebook. We're at the Millennial Divide. We will reply. We do look at the messages. We do have an email address at which the is millen- the Millennial, millennial Divide. Dimity normally does. Dimity is <laughs> yeah. on there. So if you email the millennial divide at gmail.com, you'll get to speak. You'll maybe ask Dim where she is and if she's yeah. coming back. <laughs> and, then, and then Instagram us and tell yeah. us where she is. Yeah, she lo- may be lost. Yeah, hopefully she's somewhere. She did send us a, a SOS message a couple of weeks ago and took a photo of a random stranger on a train saying, FYI, if you don't hear from me, can you please alert? And then we didn't hear from her for like two days. Yeah. Our brother, thank goodness he's so responsible, actually emailed the Airbnb place that she was staying at to make sure she wasn't dead. I'm glad he was onto it because I was like, I'm sure she's fine. So was I. I was like, this is classic Dimity, two days gone. She Anyway, oh, she was like fine. the boy who cries wolf. Yeah. That story yeah. of the girl who cried wolf. Yeah, she is a cracker. Anyway, she'll probably be back next week. If she... And telling us off. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see you next week week. Bye. 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 Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.